Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. And it's great to have you here. So most of you know that I joined the ACAC family and came on staff just about three months ago. In fact, I believe it's 13 weeks this week. And as I was thinking about that this week, I ran across this document. And most of you have no idea what this document is. But um, this is the onboarding or integration document, or it's the plan, if you will, that the leadership team here at ACAC put together to help my transition um, in coming on and becoming the lead pastor and working with Pastor Rock's retirement. And as I was looking through here, it has a bunch of things that we were to cover and that we already have through the months of January, February, March, and April. And I noticed that the one thing that was not on here was a pandemic. <laughs> and it's an expectation that I certainly did not expect to have happen in the first three months. And I can tell you that for Pastor Rock, the same is true for him. He even said this week in a meeting that he had no idea that he would finish his final months as lead pastor here at ACAC in going through a pandemic. And, you know, Pastor Rock and I are not the only ones that have had expectations blown out of the water. Some of you right now are there at home and you have lost your job or you've been laid off or you are experiencing financial difficulties that you never imagined a few weeks ago. Some of you college students, you're finishing your final year of college doing studies online, or maybe it's your first year of college, and now you're finishing that online, or high school students, or elementary, middle school students who all of a sudden aren't going to get to finish this school year, but instead you're being homeschooled by mom and dad. And let's talk about mom and dad never expecting to have to homeschool their kids. There are those of you who are widows, or you're single, and you're fighting loneliness, and you had no idea just a few weeks ago that you would be isolated and dealing with a pandemic alone in your home. And so for all of us, we have expectations that certainly we didn't expect and have not been met over the past few weeks. And you know, life does not always give us what we expect. And that's also true in the divine. It's true in the spiritual sense. And when that happens, we tend to ask ourselves these questions. You know, what happens when our unmet expectations are directly related to God? What happens when God doesn't show up just the way he think we think he should? Or what happens when we think we do right by God and following all of the rules and things that we have in our mind only to be let down with unmet ex expectations. You know, pastor and theologian Eugene Peterson said it this way. He said, Jesus does not always meet our expectations. He doesn't always give what we ask for or think we need. And when he doesn't, we feel let down, deflated, and disappointed or we surf to another channel on television, or we try out another church that will hopefully give us what we ask for. So today, in the next few moments, I hope to 
you and I to think and discuss. And the title of this message really is, What Happens When Jesus Disappoints? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who sees that none of this has taken you by surprise. That you do go before us and we know that you are with us. But in our mind, we have unrealistic expectations of you, of God, of our life. And many of us right now are wrestling with those. So I pray that as we open your word, that you would bring peace, that you would bring wisdom, and that you would speak. Let it be so in your mighty name. Amen. You know, this weekend starts what we call the Holy Week. And this weekend is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is really the story of Jesus's dramatic entry into Israel's capital, Jerusalem. It's also the story of Jesus shattering Israel's expectations. A story that really relates very much to us, his followers today, as we wrestle with God bursting our bubble of expectations of life and of him. So if you would, if you have your Bibles there at home or maybe on your phone, open them up to Matthew chapter 21. And I want to read this story about Palm Sunday, starting at verse 1 in Matthew 21. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And then look at this in verse 10. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, you have to imagine that at this time there were some two million Jewish people that have jam-packed and come to the capital of Jerusalem. The entire city, in verse 10 says, was in an uproar. Now it's interesting that the Greek word for that word uproar is really translated shaken. And the imagery that is there is as an earthquake. So the city was shaken with this image of Jesus walking into this capital as king or as messiah and we have to remember that israel had incredibly high expectations for jesus for them 
Jesus coming in, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem was fulfilling prophecies that they had read and studied and had lived with for years. This was the long-awaited arrival of their king who would restore justice and make things right in Israel. And their expectations of the Messiah, Israel's expectation of Jesus at that time is that he would come with power. He would eliminate their enemy, the Romans. And again, the imagery that we just read together, them laying palm branches or waving palm branches, riding on a donkey, laying their coats, cloaks at Jesus' feet, singing Hosanna, which means Lord, save us. Singing and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of these were fulfilling prophecy of a king who would come and make things right. He would set the world in order and restore Israel into a powerhouse and eliminate their earthly enemy, the Romans. You see, they were predicting how God would act, how Jesus would act and deliver them based upon how he had acted before. Now, there surely was excitement that relief and justice were coming. And I'm sure that they imagined ways in which Jesus was going to restore Israel. Can you imagine them discussing, I wonder how Jesus is going to drive out the Roman army. I'm sure that they looked back through the stories of the Old Testament, through the Torah, and thought, I wonder if it will be like Moses. I wonder if plagues will come and we'll see us exit as they did Egypt years and years ago. I wonder if they thought of Joshua and the Israelites conquering Jericho and Canaan. I wonder if they thought of David defeating Goliath with a sling and a stone. I wonder if they thought of Elijah calling upon God and fire coming down from heaven and defeating the prophets of Baal. Or I wonder if they thought just 200 years before when Judas Maccabeus came and he delivered Israel and drove out the enemies. But as you know already, that Jesus was not coming to meet their expectations in that way. He wasn't coming as an earthly king who would destroy and drive out the Roman enemy and make their life much easier. No, rather, Jesus came as a humble and a servant king who would willingly lay down his life for an eternal victory that would not immediately eliminate their suffering. You see, Israel was hoping to return to their earthly glory, and Jesus was not what they expected. And so Israel moved from excitement and expectation to disappointment. You see, Holy Week began with rejoicing and high hopes of deliverance. But as you know, it ended with mourning and devastation as Jesus was crucified on a cross and laid in a tomb. Now, the reality of this, the Apostle Luke gives us in the 24th chapter. When it's talking about the walk to Emmaus, you see, 
after Jesus was crucified and he was buried in a tomb and then he resurrected. While people had not seen him, there were two of his Christ followers, two Jesus followers that says were walking toward the town of Emmaus, which, which was just about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And as they were walking down the road, they were talking about this horrific event in their mind because they hadn't known that Jesus had already walked out of the tomb. But all of a sudden, Jesus appears with them. And the Bible says that God kept them from recognizing them. And then this is the verse. It talks about their expectations. So Jesus asked questions, and he says, what are you talking about? And, and these two Christ followers, not knowing it was Jesus, say, where have you been, man? Have you missed everything that's happened here in Jerusalem? And then in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 21, it said, we had hoped, speaking of Jesus, we had hoped he was the Messiah who came to rescue Israel. They had hoped he was the Messiah, but Jesus hadn't lived up to their expectations. You see, what they wanted was earthly, but what Jesus offered was eternal. And really the same is true for us today. Often you and I as God's people, as his Christ followers, we have earthly expectations which answer present day problems. But Jesus often presents, pr presents day solutions through an eternal perspective. So I want to ask you today, as you're sitting there with your family or you're watching this online, to look into your heart, to look into your mind, and maybe ask yourself, what expectations am I placing on Jesus? What expectations do you have in your heart? What expectations do we as a church, do we as Christ followers superimpose on God or superimpose on Jesus? You see, many in our world, unfortunately, even in the church, many expect Jesus to be a genie. Ask and you'll receive. And God's there as this divine genie who's here to provide whatever you pray and whatever you ask for. There are some who look at God or look at Jesus as an eternal bodyguard to offer from protection from any pain, any suffering, and any hurt. Or maybe there are those, and hopefully not you, but maybe you look to him as a miraculous doctor who heals absolutely every disease. Or what about a supernatural accountant? who's there to work your finances and provide miraculous checks in the mail? Or what about a nanny? Someone to raise your kids to be perfect because you've raised them in church or you've raised them to do what's right. And so for the rest of their lives, they're gonna do what's right and they're gonna follow Christ. Or maybe a heavenly matchmaker or therapist. So you find the perfect mate and forever your relationship will be perfect and you won't have any problems. Or maybe a heavenly entertainer to keep you constantly happy. But I think you know by now that God certainly isn't a genie, a bodyguard, an accountant, a nanny, an entertainer, or a matchmaker or therapist. Now please don't misunderstand me. God does heal. 
We should look to God for healing. We should look to Christ for provision. We should pray over our kids. We should look to God for protection and guidance. But he isn't a genie that we just rub a bottle and he answers our problems. You know, I was talking about unrealistic expectations with Pastor Rock this week, and he was sharing some of his thoughts. And to quote Pastor Rock, he said it pretty darn well. He said, God does not meet our expectations. Instead, he meets our needs. God doesn't promise earthly wealth, health, prosperity. God doesn't promise eternal or not, he promises eternal comfort. He doesn't promise earthly comfort all the time. He doesn't promise easy relationships. He doesn't promise constant happiness. He doesn't promise total earthly success. So you, you're saying by now, well, what does God promise? What can we expect from God? There was an apostle named Peter who wrote a letter that talks about what we can expect God. And the really interesting thing about this man, Peter, is it was in Matthew 16, just a few chapters before what we read about the triumphal entry, when Jesus turned to him, and they were in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus is with his disciples, and he turns to them, and he asks them, his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And Peter and the disciples reply, some think you're Elijah, some think you're a prophet, and Jesus turns and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, with knowledge beyond his understanding, says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Jesus compliments Peter and he says, Peter, you got it. I am the Messiah. I have come. And he, that's when he looks at Peter and says, on, on you, I'm going to build my church. And he calls him rock. But then just a few minutes later, Jesus starts talking about how they're going to go to Jerusalem. And he's going to lay down his life down and he's going to be crucified. And that very same Peter who just recognized Jesus as the Messiah says, Jesus, stop talking like that. That's not what the Messiah is going to do. And you know what Jesus calls him? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You, be, you see, because Peter had expectations of Jesus. He had these incredible ex expectations that the rest of Israel did of what the Messiah met. But it was after he was crucified. It was after he was buried. And it was after Christ rose again. And later in his life, Peter writes these words. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Now I'm going to continue. It says, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last days for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. 
Peter says, I'm going to tell you what the expectations we can have our God of God are, and they're these. I want to go through what some of these are, and if you're home there, normally we have a bulletin insert, but obviously we're all meeting separately today. So if you're there and maybe you have a piece of paper or you're watching this, grab a pen and write these down. These are seven promises of God that you and I can expect. These are realistic expectations that you and I can have of our Savior, Jesus. Here's the first. We can expect salvation from eternal death. And if that's you, you write that down. I want you to write down Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. Now, I'm going to give you just one scripture reference for each of these. But you can research this and find that this isn't just one scripture that I'm picking and pulling. These promises, these seven things that we can expect from God are consistent throughout scripture. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. We can expect salvation and eternal death. The writer says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And in this way, God qualified him as the perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. You and I can expect salvation and eternal freedom from eternal death through Jesus. Here's the second thing you and I can expect. It's peace. Write down this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The third thing we can expect is grace. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The fourth thing we can expect for those who are in Christ Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The Bible also refers to the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Again, Paul writes, And now you Gentiles, that's you and I, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us an inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Here's the fifth thing. It's joy unspeakable. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. Again, he writes, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold, 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvations of your souls. Two more. The sixth thing we can expect from God is eternal life. First John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. And last but not least, what can we expect from God? We can expect a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worship, worshiping him with holy fear and all. For our God is a devouring fire. You and I today, our families, in the midst of a pandemic, while we bring unrealistic expectation, we can lay those down, lay those aside. And for those of us that are in Christ, we can come before the Father with boldness and expectation and know that God brings salvation from eternal death. He brings peace. He brings grace. He brings the Holy Spirit. He brings joy unspeakable. He brings eternal life. And he brings a kingdom that cannot be shaken. These are the expectations that we can have of our Father. We are a part right now, you and I, of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be broken by a virus. So today, I pray that maybe you'd spend a little time asking yourself and praying and searching your heart. Saying, God, what unrealistic expectations do I have of you? What disappointments do I have in my life because I have superimposed my own plans upon you? But today I pick up yours. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the incredible gift you gave us in your son, Jesus. That while when he got on the donkey and he rode into Jerusalem, he didn't meet the expectation of the Israelites. And today, there are those that are sitting here watching this that are wrestling with disappointment because their expectations haven't been met by you. In a lot of ways, you've disappointed them, but it's because of us in our hearts. So I pray that the Holy Spirit in which you promised us and you have given would bring peace and joy and grace and comfort and salvation and an assurance to know that we are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I pray that you would speak that and do that in every home today. In your mighty name, amen.